Welcome to Neighborly. Don't listen. House number 22, Little Street. House number 22 is raised off the ground slightly. Not on stilts, as such, but there's a good foot of space under there. Enough room to crawl under, if you needed to, and you don't mind sharing the space with the tangle of weeds and abandoned Christmas lights that have made it their home. Enough room and cover for something to hide under there, unseen, and grab at your ankles as you wander past. Not that there is something waiting under there, this isn't that sort of house. Water pools under there sometimes, though. Usually after it rains. Sometimes, when it doesn't. Occasionally, after a thunderstorm, a few of the broken bulbs gain a glimmer of life, and fizzling orbs linger beneath the surface, watching. The house itself is lovely. Two stone steps lead to the thing. A bungalow, I suppose. One story made a tad taller by the blocks that sit beneath it, sturdy like tree trunks. Lace-edged curtains hang in the few visible windows. And though neither ever open, there are still signs of life beyond them. There's the music, for example. Faintly audible through the locked windows and closed doors. It dances out and plays upon the ears of passerby more often than not reminding them strangely of home. It's almost a stereotype of a house, the type of comforting place you'd expect a grandmother to live. Somewhere you'll always be welcome. Somewhere you can always turn to. The blue-green door to House 22 is unlocked. It often is. What's the point of being inviting if no one can actually get in? What was that? What was what? I... nothing. Sorry, you were saying? Lauren picks up her sentence like he hadn't even said anything, continuing to animatedly talk about... something. They'd started with university, he was sure. Their catch-up coffees usually did. But he'd lost track of the conversation about ten minutes in. It wasn't that it was complicated, or boring. He usually loves talking with Lauren, and today is no exception. It's just that he simply can't get himself to concentrate. He's got his eyes trained on Lauren's mouth, trying to help his brain by putting his lip-reading skills to work, but nothing is getting through. Was that a T? Taxidermist, maybe? There's an R in there, he's sure. A name, maybe? He catches the word book, but can't for the life of him figure out the context, let alone the rest of the sentence. The words wash over him like a wave of mist, and there's absolutely no way he can catch them. There's a ringing in his ears. That's not entirely unusual. Ears ring sometimes, annoying little buggers that they are. His ring quite often, 
Too much loud music when he was younger had made him particularly sensitive to noise. But usually after an hour or so, it disappears. It's been 22 days now. It was quiet at first, and easily ignorable, but over the weeks it had gotten louder and more insistent, and is now at the point where it wakes him up multiple times a night. That's why he can't concentrate on what Lauren is saying. He's too tired, and the ringing is too loud. Even with the din of the coffee shop around them, the noise is still there, clinging to his thoughts and distracting him from what's important. The audiologist he'd seen hadn't been able to explain the noise. Maybe he should try the doctors again, though they'd probably just attribute it to his lifestyle or his diet or something equally ridiculous. Jason sighs and looks down at the cup in his hands, wondering if he should change to drinking decaf. Caffeine headaches are a thing, and whilst he's fairly sure that isn't what this is, he can't imagine his excessive coffee intake is helping any. His coffee is black, as per usual. Given how much it had cost, he would have been better off getting one of those fancy drinks with names like show ponies. At least that would have been vaguely worth the money. What the hell is a frappuccino anyways? He's still staring down at it. The liquid within looks... nice. Inviting somehow. It swirls, and a surface bubble pops. There are two lights in there. No. There are two lights being reflected, presumably from the ceiling above him. He watches them as they drift within the drink, almost hypnotically. And when they blink up at him, he smiles. There's a ringing in his ears. Mommy, look at this one! Bethan runs awkwardly across the sand towards her mother, hair whipping up a storm behind her as she goes. She almost drops her treasure as she clambers around a tide pool, but manages to catch herself just in time. Heart pounding from the almost fall, she reaches her mother and brandishes a shell at her. Her mother coos politely at the discovery and asks if Bethan is sure that's the one she wants. It's large and swirled with pretty patterns, but the crack that practically bisects it is jagged and ugly. Bethan protests, informing her that it's perfect, before scampering back off down the beach. Her mother briefly considers throwing the shell away, but knows her little one will be heartbroken if she does. With a sigh, she tucks it in her bag and looks back in the direction Bethan had run. Don't go too far! Remember to stay in sight! The wind is on her side, so she's sure Bethan would have heard her, even if she doesn't get a response. It's early and the skies are grey with an approaching storm, meaning the beach is quiet. Quiet enough that she can keep an easy eye on her child. They should start heading home soon, though. She's going to be a mermaid when she grows up. Bethan, that is, not her mother. She knows that's what she's meant to be because she can hear the ocean. No matter where she is, she can hear it. When she was little, littler than she is now, her mother had held a beautifully ornate shell to her ear and told her to listen. Hear that? That's the ocean. She had heard, and she hadn't stopped hearing. The following day, she declared that the ocean had crawled into her ear. 
Her mother had dismissed it at first as just one of those things kids say. But as soon as it was clear that Bethan really could hear something, she had been rushed to the doctors, concerns about ear affections and the like loud in her mother's eyes. They'd done tests and could find nothing. Of course they couldn't find anything. She wasn't sick. She was a mermaid. Duh. That's why she's collecting shells and driftwood and pretty rocks. She needs things to decorate her mermaid cave with when she's older. She's already got 22 in her collection. There's another tide pool up ahead that Bethan almost tumbles into in her hurry to see if it holds any more treasures for her. She finds a small shell and pebble that, to her active imagination, looks like a fish. There's more of the beach to traverse, but knowing that her mother will be thinking of heading back soon, Bethan decides to crouch by the pool and play until she is caught up with. It's a beautiful little pool. Had this been a proper beach trip, she would have put her feet in and wiggled them about, practicing for when she gets her tail. Not too harshly, though. She wouldn't want to upset any creatures that live in there. Keeping a tight grip on her pebble, she swishes it slowly through the water, pretending it's a real fish. She sways softly in time with the familiar sound of the waves, and imagines what it'll be like when she lives under them. Bethan looks down into the pool, and when the pool looks back at her, she smiles. She can hear the ocean. Rick, can you get that? Richard, his name is Richard, manages to hold in his sigh as he nods, lips quirking in a softly strained smile. Of course. He heads for the cleaning supplies as the tannoy announcement rings through the store once again. Clean up on aisle 22. Richard has only been working at the shop for a fortnight and already he regrets accepting the job offer. The work itself isn't too bad, and the pay isn't terrible. His co-workers are nice enough, even if they never get his name right. It's the building itself that he hates. The front facade is nice and modern, renovated within the last three years. The shop floor itself is well-stocked and well-arranged. And though reshelving can take hours, it's not the worst thing in the world. But then you get to the employee-only areas, and it's obvious that they either ran out of money or the upper management just doesn't care about the staff. The floors are uneven, and there's stains in weird places. The cramped staff car park is secluded and rubbish-strewn, and he truly would not be surprised if someone had died out there. It certainly smells like it. The electricity is probably ancient. The lights flicker like they're trying to be candles, and the noise of the underlying current is so damn loud. His ears are buzzing, and have been since day one. He snatches up a bucket and a mop, yellow for customer areas, as well as a wet floor sign, and heads to the appropriate aisle. One of his colleagues stands over the spill, arms spread out to stop customers coming too close and slipping. As soon as they see Richard, they thank him, use the wrong name, and then wander off to continue whatever it was they were doing. Richard starts cleaning. Mop in bucket, mop on floor, wipe, ring, repeat. It should barely take a minute, but there's two stubborn spots in the tiled floor that seem more interested in staying where they are than conceding to his efforts. He leans on the mop and scrubs at them, but gives up after another minute or so. 
The mop thunks into the bucket and he stares at the marks on the floor. The floor stares back at him, and for some reason he smiles. His ears are buzzing. The rain is beautiful. Alice is too busy to appreciate it. It pitter-patters around her, soaking her clothes in the pavement alike. It drips into her eyes and off her nose, blurring her vision as she walks, but she doesn't care. She doesn't need to see where she's going. She just needs to listen. It was easy to ignore when it started. A soft noise, like the wind rustling its way through the leaves. Just a bit of wind, nothing to worry about. Then it got louder. Over the months, it went from soft whispers to the roaring whoosh of a gale, a sound that she couldn't get away from and no one else could hear. Then, just, just when she couldn't take it anymore, she heard something else within the sound. A couple of notes repeated. A soft song that slowly overtook the hurricane and called for her attention. It's still calling now. She can't hear the wind anymore. The song, fully formed now, is all that matters. She has to find it. She has to. She's been walking for hours, but that doesn't matter. She will walk until her feet bleed if needs be. Luckily, she doesn't have to. She's already reached Little Street. It's practically empty. Only one other person visible on the street between her and her destination. They're... just staring across the road. She sidesteps them easily and continues on her way. The blue-green door to House 22 is unlocked. It often is. What's the point in being inviting if no one can actually get in? Alice follows the music and lets the door swing shut behind her. There are no rooms in 22. Beyond the threshold there is only water. A pool, or a lake perhaps. Far too large to comfortably sit within the bungalow, and yet here it is, calling to her. She follows the downward slope of the floor, walks her way into the lake until she has to start paddling to keep herself afloat. There is something below the water, though, and she ducks her head to see it. The thing below looks at her with glowing eyes, and as it beckons her forward with a hand like a clump of weeds, she smiles. Air bubbles pop on the surface. Below the house, water starts to pool. The rain is beautiful. Neighborly is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 4.0 International License. Today's House was written by Andrew Mercator and edited by Andrew Mercator and Matthew O.K. Smith, with music by Alex Schwartz and art by Claudia Appelart. The narrator is voiced by Matthew O.K. Smith. To find out more, visit neighborlypod.card.co or follow us on social media at neighborlypod. If you enjoyed listening today, information on how you can support us will be included in the episode description. Most of all, we would appreciate it if you told a friend. 
because they might tell a friend and they might tell a friend and who knows eventually god might finally listen to us today's cognitive phenomenon is deja wait i read this one already thanks for listening come back soon Welcome to the Annabelle H. Godfrey Historic Estate and Museum. Thank you for joining us on the Godfrey's world-famous audio guide. I'll be your host for the duration of your time here at the estate, and look forward to enlightening you as to the history and unique beauty of Annabelle's eclectic collection of art, antiquities, and curiosities. But before we begin, I must go over a few notices and estate rules. Firstly, on the chance that you failed to read the fine print when checking out this audio guide, and are currently standing in the middle of our atrium, waiting for a staff member to come and collect you, this is a self-guided tour. Each audio guide is equipped with a GPS tracking device, which triggers the commentary for the nearest collection item. This provides the dual benefit of a custom experience for you and helping the Godfrey staff locate unreturned audio guides. Many audio guides are discovered abandoned in dark and seldom-traversed corners of the estate, their patrons nowhere to be found. Which leads me to my second point of business. Stay out of the shadows. Thirdly, breaks in commentary as you move between collection items may be filled with historical tidbits about the estate, details about current or upcoming exhibits and offerings, general announcements, or words from our sponsor. Do not be alarmed when these start playing. And no, you cannot mute or skip them. Fourthly, and this should go without saying, do not touch any collection items. This is for your own safety. That's all for now. Shall we begin? The Godfrey Audio Guide is a fiction podcast that blends horror, sci-fi, and art history, both real and imagined, and which guides the listener through the mysterious Godfrey Estate and Museum. Interested in taking the tour? Find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. And make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. See you at the museum. <laughs>